This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions. Because it's time to dish the dirt. On the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. And the sous chef of the Garden Show, Frank Proctor. And a good morning, one and all. And a special hi to our compatriot in the uh, production room opposite us. That would be James Patrick Dooley, the voice you hear when you call in. Hi, Charlie. Good morning, Frank. Hey, it's not, I was going to say it's um, a cloudy, it is cloudy, but it's, it's gray. Uh, yeah, but there are There's blue. little hopeful look way signs north. of uh, But look, the look sun. way north, it's all blue. Oh, yeah, See, yeah, where yeah. I came from, the sun was blinding. Oh, but really? It's, the uh, clouds are over the lake here. Well, there you go. Just okay. be happy we're not in Alberta right now. Oh, man. Everywhere. Digging out. Oh, digging out, but cold. Yeah. I saw a what thing it, on the minus thirty, forty. Oh. So there's the Weather Network. They've got this cute, like a young kid, and yeah. he's got this glass of hot water, and he steps outside and he throws the water up into the air, and of course it turns to steam right away. Like it just disappears. Oh, so yeah, it's, it's that Our science experiment. Raining popsicles, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. It's just oh, right away. Brother, it's like, yeah. Ice How about mist. that? Well, anywho, my friends, uh, we're here to uh, talk gardening, talk gardening, and, and weather. And in weather, and and of course, uh, Charlie answers those questions. I simply get you the phone number and chit chat a little bit along the way. <laughs> okay, let me do the phone numbers first, okay? You're good For at the Toronto, <laughs> Toronto area, 416 360 And then anywhere else in Ontario, in the province, it's uh, toll free 1 866 740 740. Oh, well okay. done. Thank the, you. The mantra? You. Did you do the mantra? Oh, the mantra, my gosh. And I forgot my bell. Well, oh. that, there you go. Uh, it, what? We can make uh, I forgot my little ding-a, bell. Ding a ding a ding a ding a ding. Yeah, if you call in and you're a first time caller, let uh, James know and he'll pass the word on to me and I shall ring a little ding a ling bell for you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, our mantra goes this way call early, call often, one question per call. There you go. Hey, okay. there's a, an event coming up, started hmm. last weekend, but it goes right through till January 2nd, that you, well, actually, I should, there's sort of two events. One is really happening tomorrow. You and your lovely wife, Diane, should go to this. Remember, we've talked about Centennial Park Conservatory in Etobicoke. It's yeah. not that far, really, yeah. from here. It's just due, you know, west a few miles, uh, right on Elmcrest Road, so mm-hmm. Rathburn area, uh, 151 Elmcrest Road. They've got a grand opening event tomorrow, Sunday, December 8th. It runs from noon to 7 p.m., and it's right out of a Dickens, you know, carol, because wow. it's there's a family carol sing at yep. 4 p.m. There are Victorian carolers, hot cider and cookies, horse and carriage rides, chestnuts roasting on an open fire, if you can imagine. And they also do some special conservatory by, by candlelight mm. events. So you can go in in the evenings, December 14th, 15th, 
21st, 22nd, the candlelight hours are from 5 to 7. Now, it's all free admission. No kidding. And it I was is such say, a, pretty, it's a really pretty place to go. Uh, of course, donations to the food bank are appreciated if you are going to check it out. And um, it was Stanley, our friend Stanley oh, Rozak, yeah, right? who uh, yeah. came to the event I was at at the Toronto Botanical Gardens on Thursday night. It was an open house, uh, you know, shop till you drop kind of event yeah. with the gift shop and, and a lot of decor, indoor and outdoor Christmas and right. seasonal decor mm-hmm. for people to to purchase, but also to get inspired by. So I helped uh, present um, a demonstration on making a big urn, uh, mm-hmm. making a – mind you, I, I – didn't actually do the demo because the person who did this was very talented. I strictly stood back and asked the silly questions. But um, <laughs> the big urn, the mantelpiece or the, the long table centerpiece, and also a very beautiful little lit, um, like a corkscrew piece of branch, corkscrew hazel, mm-hmm. all lit with tiny, tiny lights, and then a little mini orchid planted right in amongst all those, the, the branches, those twisty branches, with a glass terrarium over top. It was just beautiful. And, wow. Uh, yeah, it was neat. Anyway, I, I learned a whole bunch of stuff, and it was a lot of fun, but Stanley was there, and he brought this information about the latest upcoming event at Centennial Park, and some photographs of the Chrysanthemum Show, and the building of the poppy. Remember we were, we yes, were talking about that. Yes, that's right. Yeah, see, oh, beautiful pictures, and yeah. it's quite incredible. That's the biggest poppy in the world. Wow. I think uh, Guinness Book of World Records is going to be putting that in there. Something else. Mm-hmm. Something else. Yeah. Well, five foot we, by five foot poppy. Is it's big. That, that, yeah, that's yeah. what it was. There was hundreds and hundreds of red chrysanthemums in floral foam to build that. Wow. That's Stanley's great. Stanley's very talented. Speaking of numbers, by mm. gosh, uh, folks have been calling in numbers here to the Garden Show. And uh, we have a lot of folks to talk to. We'll get to you in just a moment or so, folks. Meantime, have a little bit of business to uh, conduct here. For instance, exercise. Yes. I love exercise. Well, that's a big fib. <laughs> that's but, what I was going to say. That's yeah. your New Year's resolution, I think. Or uh, mine, anyway. But I'm just going to do – I'm going to pretend I've got a heavy you know, heavy weight, some yeah. barbell. Good. Just don't swing. over my head. Don't there we are. swing your arms oh. into my head or, okay. or do like there you did to are. die the other night in the middle of the night. Beautiful. Uh, okay. Look at him oh, working away. No, oh, I'm doing it slowly. You, you know, yes. you betcha. I can see those heavy weights. Now, why is he in list, lifting invisible weights? I'm not really sure, except that Frank is feeling good. Something has changed his life called Sierra Sill, makes doing exercise fun and something you can look forward to and pain-free. So if you have any joint pain, you may find that Sierra Sill can work for you. For more information, sierrasill.ca or give them a call, 1-877-JOINT-14, or pick up Sierra Sill at many of your local health food stores. For example, Nature Village on Queen Street South in Streetsville. Uh, okay, the final push there. Okay, S I E R R A S I L. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, flocks, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And the sous chef of The Garden Show, welcoming to the lines from Wasaga Beach, Trish. Good morning, Trish. Good morning. Morning. Yes, Charlie. Um, After the past two weeks, I've been listening to you talk about amaryllis, mm-hmm. but it doesn't apply to the ones I have. I got two last year, 
Mm-hmm. One bloomed beautifully, the other one didn't. Anyway, um, I cut them back, I put them down in the basement. I brought them out about six weeks ago, but nothing's happened. It's just a stalk with a bit of green on it. What do I do? So you say just a stalk. So the leaves have emerged? Nothing. Oh, oh. So, so you're seeing a little tiny bit of green protruding out the top? It's not protruding, it's just green around the stalk. Okay, so of course they're in pots. You mm-hmm. watered them once. That's right. And you've got them in a nice bright spot in your window. That's right. Um, and they're not in any kind of s- severe sort of cold or hot draft. No. All right. And so if you felt the soil right now, would it be slightly damp? or it's how slightly would it... damp. Yes, I keep it damp. Right. So you've got to be careful to not... Ha- Just because it feels damp on the surface, it could be quite wet below. And bulbs can rot very easily if they're not growing yet. So don't do any radical watering, any further watering. Allow that to really dry down before you do any more watering. You should see something come out. But you said it's been a couple of weeks since you put them yeah, out. it's kind of about six weeks now, but mm. it's just... How it's, do, if you felt the bulb right now, because of course when we plant them, we always leave a good percentage, at least sort of half the bulb is sticking up out of the soil. So if you felt that bulb where it's sticking up out of the soil, how does it feel? Does it feel nice and firm and, and fairly, you know, big or does it feel shriveled down? No, from... it's quite firm, but oh, nothing's good. happening. Okay. You know what? Be patient. That's all I can say. Patience. <laughs> uh, warmth. You could think about... Um, if you had a heating pad, consider putting some warmth under the pots because that will often jumpstart things that are slow to break dormancy, whether it's seeds or bulbs. There's a little bit of warmth from below. You may find that that would help a tiny bit. Um, or, you know, if you have a dishwasher, you know, put the bulbs so it sits above the dishwasher when it's running just because that's a nice warm spot. That's sort of an idea. Should I put it on top of the fridge? You could, yeah. I wouldn't leave it there permanently, but certainly maybe in the, at night put it on top of the fridge mm-hmm. because it's probably dark up there, but it's also warm. And then bring it down into the light during the day. Uh, and you'll find that I think that they'll... they'll I know gardening is sometimes a huge zen thing, <laughs> you know. It's just breathe and be patient. Thing, it, will, it will happen when it's going to happen. In the meantime, don't rot the bulb by overwatering. Okay. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for joining the show, Trish. And uh, we're off and running uh, to, uh, well, another pretty spot in uh, our country, Caledon. Uh, mm-hmm. And Angie is calling in this morning. Hi, Angie. Good morning, Frank. Good morning, Charlie. Good morning. I have um, a, ba- a bag of bulbs here, mm-hmm. and all of, it says 100 River Muscari, mm-hmm. River of Muscari. Mm-hmm. I never got them in the, in the ground in the fall, mm-hmm. and I'm wondering if I can plant them indoors. Um, you could. Okay, so that sounds really nice. So you got a bag with 100 little bulbs. And, yeah. And just, I, I've got to show Frank what muscari looks like. Muscari are very small, low-growing, blue flowering. Oh, there's no picture of muscari. But imagine, oh, there, sorry, there, okay, there's a picture. There and so they're calling it River of Muscari because the idea is that you're supposed to plant them all as if it's a river. Ah, You know, gotcha, not a straight yeah. line, right? Mm-hmm. Like, a, like a stream. And then they'll all come up and you'll have this blue river running through your garden or your lawn oh, or very anywhere. Nice. Yeah. Now, um, actually, after that warm weather we had last week, Angie, you probably could go out, if you're willing, today, today? and plant them. Okay. If, wow. Particularly if you have a place where you could plant. Like, you don't have to go very deep because it's a small bulb. Yeah. So remember, the depth that you put the bulb is twice the... 
the depth is twice the height of the bulb. So if the bulb stands about a half an inch tall, then, you know, you only need to go down an inch and a half, even two inches to to lay them in there. But the idea is try and dig a bit of a trench that almost looks like a river, like a a stream. Like a winding line. That's right. And then just bang them all in there randomly. Don't make it all, like, really symmetrical. Make sure that, of course, there is a bit of a pointy top and a bit of a... Um, fuzzy bottom where yeah. the roots are so just make sure if possible that the little fuzzy bottoms are down and the little pointy ends are up okay. throw some soil on top pat it all down and get back in the house okay that's what i would do better than trying to force them because they don't last very long indoors as a as a blooming bulb they only last for about a day or two okay. whereas outdoors they'll last for a week or two okay all right so i'll, I'll remember this i yeah, always learn something 16 degree weather last yeah. friday so yeah, yeah exactly so melted I, all the snow the I, ground is uh, sitting there but i thought it would be too late no it's not too late yeah the only thing that makes planting bulbs too late is severely frozen ground yeah and i have spoken to some people that are out there with pots of boiling water thawing their ground when <laughs> it was colder two weeks ago and headlights on and pickaxes in hand planting <laughs> bulbs yeah. so it's never too late unless it's just so frozen you can't get through the soil. Very good. All Thank right. you. Thanks, Angie. Thanks, Angie. Okay, bye-bye. Every, every Saturday, I, there's always one little <laughs> phrase that just, <laughs> just will stay with me, you know, for future reference. Uh, uh-huh. yeah, keep your fuzzy bottom down, and that's that's the one for <laughs> today, I know. And your pointy end up. Yes, and your pointy end up. Oh, you're good. All righty. Uh, Bob is calling in from Scarborough. Good morning, Bob. Frank, uh, I guess it must be one of those uh, bulb planting uh, Seminars there. It must shows. be. But anyway, I'd purchased some uh, daffodil bulbs mm-hmm. the other day at the nursery and they started to sprout. I know it's a little late, but uh, I guess if you break through the first half inch of frost and they say put them down eight, eight inches. Now mm-hmm. I've tried daffodils before down mm-hmm. at eight and they don't seem to bloom. They come up in the leaf or the whatever it is, yeah, but there's no bloom, and I move them up a little higher and they seem to bloom. So what's the rule mm-hmm. of thumb for planting them in depth? Well, Okay, so two, um, two things. The daffs you just bought that are just starting to show a little bit of growth. For, now, for sure, these are outdoor daffodils, right? These are not paper whites. No, okay. no. They're the narcissus, I guess they call them. Yeah, well, they're all sort of that family, the narcissus. Yeah. But there is a, a variety called paper whites, which are, tr- believe it or not, tropical narcissus, mm-hmm. and they don't go outside. And they would be growing a little bit now in the stores. So that's why I just wanted to make sure that what you've got are hardy daffs or, or narcissus. Um, the... The trick, you actually theoretically can't plant them too deep. They, you know, even if you go down a foot, they will eventually, you know, send that flower stalk and that leaf up through the surface of the soil eventually. You know, it'll take longer. They'll come out much later than they should have because they'll start to grow as per, you know, light levels and temperature levels. But it's colder the deeper you plant them. So they're going to come out later and it takes longer to break the surface of the soil. But I find that interesting. You said you, you just get flowers when you're planting them a little shallower. Um, that Because that shouldn't make a difference. What really makes a difference to flowering when it comes to bulbs is the maturity of the bulb, the size of the bulb. So the older and fatter and bigger the bulb, the more flowers, both size-wise and quantity-wise, that you're likely to get. It's the little tiny immature bulbs that will not flower until they reach a certain size. So that little green shoot there, would that freeze off and ruin the bulb, or should I maybe plant them inside instead? 
No, I, it, you're going to plant them deep enough that they're not going to freeze off. It, but by putting them out into the ground, you want to bring them to a, a halt. So if you can get them out today, that's a good thing. Uh, and, and how deep? Depends, again, size of the bulb. So look at the height of the bulb and think two times to two and a half times uh, the height of the bulb is your depth you're going to go. So if they stand about two inches tall, then you're going down about five inches. I just have to make sure there's no squirrels watching me while I do it. <laughs> You're absolutely right, because they will be watching. And okay, of course thanks they, for your time. But remember, squirrels don't eat daffodils. Well, they like to dig them up just to see what was buried there. They think it was something they buried, and they <laughs> take a little bite, and that finishes the bulb, but well, it doesn't do anything. Exactly. They'll dig it up, and they'll look, and I go, oh, it's a daffodil, and then they'll <laughs> oh. throw it over their shoulder. So, yeah, you know what I do when I'm planting, particularly when the squirrels are watching? Get them in the ground, and then just get some leaves. Get Make it look like you weren't planting. Don't leave a perfect uh, situation behind. Get leaves, get a few twigs, branches, if you have some rose canes, anything like that. Throw it on top where you were, and then the squirrels won't be able, won't know where you were digging. Sometimes a landmine helps. <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> I like that. The, do, the dollar store forks, right? Yeah. Stuck in, handles, handle in, tines up, just below, below the surface. That helps too, because they can't dig through those. <laughs> Very good. Okay. Good luck with that, Landmine. That's got to be the best <laughs> suggestion of the morning. Yep. Well, uh, just a minute. It's uh, 925. You know what? We're uh, racing along towards the next little break, and we have folks on the line we'll get to in just a moment. Uh, but our main job right now is to tell folks how to keep loose and limber. And pain-free. And pain-free, yes. Which is important. If you struggle with any kind of joint pain, mm-hmm. whether it's just, you know, slept wrong or uh, well, you know, a little bit older, little and those things happen sometimes. You know? yeah. Oh, really? Well, that's what uh, James tells us. I was you know? say he was, I mean, he's getting up there. He was telling us today <laughs> about the pain he's in. You might want to think about Sierra Sil, James. Yes. Uh, Sierra Sil is a completely natural mineral supplement that somehow magically works. It is comes from the Sierra Mountains. Uh, you take three little pills a day, and it doesn't work for everybody. But if it will work for you, you will know within 14 days whether this supplement will make a difference for you. So, for more information, one eight seven seven joint fourteen or go to sierrasill.ca. And I've just been handed a little note by James Patrick Dooley telling us that uh, the store Loving Nature, which is uh, at, let's see the address here, uh, 1049 Kingston Road in the Upper Beaches. They sell Sierra Sill. So there you go. There you you go. got one Thank more you. you want to add on there? Um, oh, I was going to mention that um, Nature's Village, or sorry, uh, Goodness Me Natural Food Markets in Burlington, Hamilton, and Waterdown also carries Excellent. Sierra Sill. S-I-E-R-R-A-S-I-L. Don't change the radio station. Just because the weather changes, garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And a welcome to a first-time caller, Charlie, uh, Joanne, living in Mississauga. There you are, officially welcomed aboard. Hi, Joanne. Hi, good morning. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Welcome to the show. Thank you, and I love it. Thanks. Uh, Charlie, I have a question. Mm -hmm. I have a beautiful zebra grass that grows in my front garden. Mm -hmm. And last year we cut it back. And it took forever to come up and be as full as it was over the summer. This year, we didn't cut it back. Mm -hmm. And my question is, will that make a difference? Or was that the right thing to do? Because we could probably still 
cut it back at this point. It's not totally frozen yet. So here's the here's the shtick on ornamental grasses, which is what a zebra grass is. Yeah. These are grasses, and I'm telling Frank, because he doesn't have a clue what an ornamental grass is. He probably knows grass, like the green stuff out on the lawn, and that other well, it's a kind of... Grass, yeah. yeah, ornamental grasses are all different sizes. They're sometimes two inches tall, sometimes eight feet tall. But we use them in our gardens often for a strong yeah. vertical um, focal point or you know a strong element in the garden, and they're super easy to grow. And what makes them so easy is here's what you do: you plant them in a full sun location. Yeah, you let them grow all summer. You enjoy them in the fall, particularly because they have all kinds of flowers or seed heads, and they're very ornamental then. You leave them alone all winter, so you enjoy them all winter as they make noise in the wind or they, you know, just have this very different look. Right. In the spring, when snow has melted and you're looking for something to do because you want to get out in the garden... You get out your big loppers, or sometimes people actually get out a chainsaw if they have lots of grasses, and you cut them down to ground level or just above ground level, you know, an inch or two tall. Um, And that's when you cut them down, and then you leave them alone till the next spring. And that that encourages the growth. Because it's all new growth from the root. Okay. So, yeah, so just leave them alone all winter. Uh, Yes, they can get knocked over in the snow and the wind, so if they're causing a problem, that those bits you can remove but Uh otherwise i like to leave them alone because they're pretty and they're beautiful and they offer a little bit of seed sometimes to the birds yeah and and they get the frost on them and they get all bronzy color they're really really pretty they're very pretty and we actually have several different varieties Mm. in our front garden but this one is my favorite oh there you go yeah so just you know find a nice sunny day in the spring when you really want to do something and that's the day just cut them all right down to like i say an inch or two tall and then that's it you'll leave them alone till the following spring good to know all right thanks Excellent. for your call thank you very much and have a wonderful day thank, thank you, you joanne too. bye Appreciate that you bet bye bye now and, golly, we've got a busy show going here. We do. Betty in Scarborough on the line. Good morning, Betty. Hello. Good Hello. morning. Oh, hi. I've had a Thai plant. Well, I, I believe it was a Thai plant for about 35 years. Help me. What, what's a Thai plant? It's an indoor, like, palm tree thing. Uh, okay. T-H-A-I. Yeah, yeah thai like plant. Thailand. But that's what you're for. Okay, so it's a, a palm-like plant. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, um... Just recently, it started to grow this big shoot, oh. and it looks like berries or yeah. or fruit cool. or like lilacs before they open up. Uh huh. That's exactly. And what I don't it know is. what I'm supposed to do with it. Leave it alone. That's a flower. <laughs> well, now some of the leaves are starting to go yellow. Down the further down leaves are supposed to are starting to go yellow. So that's a flower, and it will bloom. Um, it will bloom. I mean. Any any of the palms don't have traditional flowers, but mm-hmm. they they do produce fruit. So, of course, in the case of a coconut palm, it's coconuts that you end up seeing there. In the case of a date palm, it's dates. So in the case of yours, you will see little berries will be formed, mm-hmm. uh, unlikely to be anything you would harvest, but just obviously a very happy plant because plants oh. only do these kinds of things when they're happy. So I shouldn't cut it off or do anything with it? It's not oh, gosh, no. that I should be planting. It's just a flower. Yep, just leave it alone. It, um, the, uh, enjoy what you're going to see there, and oh. at some point it'll shrivel up and turn brown, and then you'll cut it away. Any of the lower growth, any of the older, more mature leaves that are turning a little bit brown or yellow, same thing, just trim them away. 
Okay. Okay. All and right. Whatever else you're doing, you're obviously doing right because that's a that's a happy plant when it's blooming. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank Bye-bye. you for joining the show, Betty. Uh, you know, so here. I, oh, you've got pictures. Up, of, yeah, right? yeah, and oh, boy, they you. are uh, spectacular-looking well, plants. Hard to know. I mean, Thai. It's like those common names, right? What's yeah. a Thai plant? Look, they're, they're showing me so many different kinds of plants. Now, generally, they seem to be a bunch of cordylines, is what they're called. So, uh, yeah. Um, Fruticosa. So, neat plant, and I guess commonly referred to as a Thai plant. Well, there you are. Cabbage palm, good luck plant, palm lily, Thai plant, T-I plant, not Thailand plant, Thai or, yeah, tea plant. So, that's, that's pretty interesting. But that's the kind of big size. Sorry, I'm just looking at Wikipedia here. Uh, I was able to look it up. Look, there's the, that's the, what she's getting there. There's the berries. Neat, Oh, eh? yeah, that's neat. Thai berries. Now, those, those wouldn't be edible. I, I would have to read. I doubt it. You never know, though. They might be. I'll, I'll keep that little page up, and I'll get back to you on that. All right. All right. You're listening to The Gardening Show as we broadcast live from the Zoomerplex in Liberty Village, AM 740. And Margaret is with us uh, from Paris, Ontario. I do want to give the phone numbers because we have a line free here, and folks always like to know that when that happens. 416-360-0740. That's in Toronto, and then anywhere else in the province, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. So, Margaret, welcome to the show from Paris, Ontario. Well, thank you. Uh, Charlie, I, I, have, I have not heard this question on your show. I have Christmas cactuses in my living room window, mm-hmm. which seems to be the perfect place to have them because I've had masses of blooms, and it's been... Absolutely delightful to enjoy them. Excellent. Um, and I have some that are still blooming, and I have some that are coming into bud again. Mm. My question is, I have some that, that are still blooming, and they have more buds coming, but the buds are drying and falling off. Mm. Now, I water them once a week with fertilizer, because I heard on your show mm-hmm. that a Christmas cactus you can continue to fertilize. Is that correct? While it's flowering, yes. Yes. So I didn't know that. So I thought, oh, that could be my problem, why I lose them other years. But it's not. Okay, so, and do you turn the plants in the no, window? No, never turn them. So you never touch no. them once they start That's to That's one thing I learned from my mother years ago. You yeah. do not turn a Christmas cactus. I know, because the old ones. Remember we were talking about yeah, that a couple weeks yeah. ago. The old varieties, the little flowers attempt to follow the sun and break off in the process. Right. So that's why we, the, that's kind of the old way. You never touch a Christmas cactus. But if you yeah. have some and new... I, and I have both. I have both old yeah. and new varieties, yeah, the, so I don't turn any of them. Okay, because if you know which ones are new, you should be fine to turn those because those have been selected to be able to have a little universal joint in there that won't break off in the flowers uh, where it attaches to the leaves. But, um, but yeah, so you're saying that they're without opening, they kind of shrivel up and fall off. Yeah. For sure yeah. they haven't opened. Because I find they open and close, and when they close, they shrivel up and fall off, and they almost look yes, like... Yes, but the, the, these, um, if, if the bud, some of the buds will become almost an inch long because the flowers yeah. become very large. Yeah. Some are maybe even a bit larger. Um, but I find that they, they're, they're drying when they're only like a quarter of an inch to a half an inch long, hmm. and some of them even smaller. And you can tell that the color is going away, like they don't have the right color. It's almost like they're getting a, um, a washed-out color. Right. And, and I touch them, and they fall off. Huh. Now, there's no drafts, no hot or cold drafts no. on these? Uh, well, I have them in, in the living room window, which is a bow window, mm-hmm. And it's so I, when I close the curtains at night, it becomes cold in, in the front window. Right. 
And to me, that has always seemed to have been the perfect situation. Yeah, they love the cool in the, in the evening, for yeah. sure. Now, in the daylight, of course, you open the curtains. And is there a, a vent blowing up past that window, or do, did you get a little no, deflector? No, there's a vent on either side of the oh, window, okay. and it does not blow up against where they are. Okay, perfect. All right. Huh. Um, yeah. I have to think about that. I, off the top of my head, I don't know why. You know, they sound happy and healthy, for sure. Your conditions sound perfect. You're having yep. good success. They're growing. They're plentiful. And why would some of the buds... I mean, unless for some reason they're... Oh, sometimes... I, I wonder if there's just... They're, they're producing too many buds. And they don't <laughs> have... No, that's the, possible. Because you're too I successful. Every leaf has at least two buds on it. Yeah, like I wonder, oh, like yeah. sometimes it, like a plant will... Oh, it's like it's like a fruit tree. Like plums are famous for this. Peaches do it gotcha. as well. Too much too much flowers, which equals too much fruit. And then yeah. the limbs break because it's just too much weight on the, on the branches. I'm wondering if it's maybe something like that where there's just too many buds being formed. The plant doesn't have the actual carbohydrates and energy inside to sustain all this flowering. So has to let some of them go and drop some of them if it's a bit of a drop for that reason now that that you know that would yeah that to me would almost be the right mm-hmm. would be a very very possible solution mm-hmm. because the new ones that are coming I, I i have a yellow one that only has mm. a friend found me a yellow one which nice. i'm delighted with because yeah. it's a different color again and there's only about seven buds and they're all just swelling beautifully and there's another one that's just started budding, and it's, they're all swelling beautifully. Mm. But the ones that have had literally masses of blooms, because yeah. I take off handfuls of dead ones yeah, every day. Yeah, hundreds and hundreds, for sure. So, yeah. yeah, it makes sense that, you know, the, the, the plant is probably trying to preserve itself. That, well, that's right. Never and, thought of that one. Well, that's just what comes to mind, because that yeah. certainly does happen. And, and the, as I say, plums will often drop a lot of tiny fruit early in the spring right. as in a response to the fact that they just can't actually sustain and grow that much much fruit so they're set up to um but they never know whether they're going to get all those little flowers pollinated and actually end up with that much fruit and if of course they do have way too much they just drop a bunch yeah now yeah. it's not like they're thinking like, about like this natural it's, it's very not exactly it's yeah. called the great plum drop <laughs> in june it happens in june a every great year plum drop. oh man <laughs> i wonder if you're experiencing the great christmas cactus flower drop <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Well, thank you. <laughs> thank you for the call. And enjoy your show very much. By the way, I called you some years back about a little, um, I had planted with my grandson some orange seeds mm-hmm. and had asked you whether mm-hmm. I should prune out the two little shoots that were coming out and you weren't sure, so I left some and didn't others. Mm-hmm. That's five, six years ago. He was nine. He's now 15. Mm-hmm. And I still have one of those little trees. The oh, others didn't make it. That's great. But I still have one of those little trees, which is now two feet tall. But thank you for so, your suggestion then. An orange seed. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. stuff. Thanks, Margaret. Okay. Good to hear from you. Have a great day. And you thank too. you. Bye. As well. And now, uh, maybe somebody out there has an idea beyond what I suggested to Margaret for why those buds, you know, such a high level of flowering is resulting in some of those flowers not actually succeeding. Yeah. Uh, your, your suggestion there, I think... To my mind, mm-hmm. makes a great deal of sense. That's so, the horticulturalist coming, you're speaking, obviously. C- yes, of course. Well, yes. I, I, I am the sous chef. That, so, that's right. You, you know, are in training. I have some. <laughs> I have some expertise to back oh, me up. Yes, you do. Now we must five take, years with me. We must take a little break to give me time to recover, and uh, Charlie, time to load more ammunition to fire at me. Uh, and when we come back here on the Garden Show from AM 740. 
fur and feathers and bugs of all size, there's more going on in the garden than we do realize. And should little creatures become a big problem, well, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And uh, once again, let's get back to those phone callers who are waiting to talk to you, Charlie. Before you rush to one of those phone callers, let's just go back to... um, was it Betty? Yeah, Betty, who called from Scarborough about a Thai plant. Uh, okay, now assuming that we're talking about the same plant here, T-I plant, T or Thai plant, also known properly as cordyline, C-O-R-D as in dog, Y, line, L-I-N-E, fruticosa, is a pretty interesting plant. It goes way back to Polynesia, Hawaii. We were just reading here some of the cultivations and uses of this tropical plant. It is a very popular house plant, so it's yep. certainly likely that we are talking about the same plant. Often has variegated leaves, um, but every part of this plant is usable, right from the edible rhizomes to the leaves, which are used for, as you pointed out, uh, weaving together and going lava sledding. Lava sledding. Well, a number of leaves lashed together, and people ride down hills on them. And if you fall off that thing on lava, oh, that's not talking you're about going it. to have road burn like you've never had before. All right. Leaves wow. are also used to make uh, items of clothing, including skirts. Yeah. When you think of the the, and pollen, the, lay. the Exactly. Hula skirts. Um, um, the uh, It is a plant that brings good luck. It's got a whole bunch of sort of spiritual things going on. So people often plant at the corners of the house to bring good luck to the family. Um, so popular, ornamental. And so not only the... Okay, so hold on. I lied. It's the ri- the rhizomes are the edible part. So fermented and distilled to make a liquor. We do see a photograph of some berries, and I'm not sure how they're used at this point. I haven't had a chance to look that up. But still, I think that's exactly what Betty's going to see is some very nice bright red berries growing on that little stem she's got coming up. Well, there you are. And how if you can find out that? how to make some liquor from that, uh, let us know. Uh, except uh, you'd have to dig up the whole plant to do that. Oh, would you? That's the, oh. the root, right? Oh, well. Oh, well. Hmm. Hmm. Too too much work there. Oh, we lost. Uh, it's okay. We'll go on to uh, Margaret and uh, say hi, who, who lives in St. Catharines. <laughs> this week on Celebrity Spotlight, Canada's greatest pop diva. I'm Larry Jackson. Join me Sunday afternoon between 1 and 2 as we profile Celine Dion on Celebrity Spotlight. Okay, we're back again. <laughs> um, we're just about to introduce uh, Margaret. James Patrick Dooley for I'm Your Lady. That's good. That's going to be yes. your theme song from now on. <laughs> Margaret, welcome to the show. Hello. Hi. Hi there. Good morning. Sorry about that. That's all right. No, I was just calling. Uh, this year I had a very uh, a potato vine that grew and grew and grew. Mm-hmm. And when we pulled it out, there was um, tubers or yes. potatoes. Yep. Now, can can you eat those? Yes, you can. Oh, okay. There's a very starchy monster bunch of yeah, like tubers uh, attached to the roots when you pull out sweet potato vines, which we grow as an ornamental annual in our hanging baskets and our urns. And uh, they don't have a lot of flavor. They're oh. actually very bland. They'd right. be like a new potato almost. You can boil them up, some butter, some salt, some pepper. Mm. It's going to taste pretty much like a boiled, you know, new potato. Oh, all right. But I, definitely, I just, want, I just wanted to make sure. Um, definitely edible. That we could eat them. Yes, you can. And I'm a first-time caller. Oh, oh my yeah. goodness gracious me! 
There they are. And, Margaret, uh, just because you're from St. Catharines, might I suggest uh, that it would be maybe a nice thing to put a, a face to the voice here, uh, you in particular, if you'd like to come along and uh, meet me and oh, see me next, week. next yeah. week in St. Catharines. I'm going to be uh, at uh, the Sean O'Sullivan Theater at Brock University, accompanied by the Niagara Symphony Orchestra. I'll be performing uh, at 2.30, The Snowman. Are you dancing? Uh, no, no, oh. I'm narrating. Oh, narrating. I'm narrating Performing, The Snowman. Delightful story. Laura Thomas, the assistant conductor for the Niagara Symphony, uh, will be, uh, be well, be holding the baton and uh, putting me through my paces. Yeah. And also at, in the evening at, uh, I think it's 7.30, uh, I'll be with the uh, premier... Um, uh, conductor, I'll be uh, performing "Twas the Night Before Christmas" uh-huh. and "Yes, Virginia, There Is a Santa Claus." Oh, very cool! So, uh, yeah, it's going to be a fun, fun day, and uh, maybe you can show up and say hi, Margaret. Yeah, I, I will be there. I oh. have uh, tickets already to oh, go. There oh, you isn't go. that great? Good there for you, you. Go. Frank, the storyteller. All <laughs> right, and, and maybe if you're really lucky, you can join Frank's fan club. <laughs> <laughs> But it's only, very, I think that would be very nice. We're up to about nine now, so it's really oh, wonderful. The international fan club. Six of the members are cats, but we won't talk about <laughs> That's that. That's all right. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Thanks for your call, Thank Margaret. You very, Thank you very much. Okay. And, and Bye for now. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for being a first-time caller. Yeah, that was neat. Yeah, uh, hey, phone nine. Oh, I'm, oh go ahead. Sorry. Uh, go give ahead. me a, the, the lines are uh, free right now, a couple of them. 416-360-0740 for Toronto area and then in anywhere else in the province, one 740 Number of interesting calls in this A lot, campaign. a lot of interesting calls. The, um, speaking of kitty cats, I just yep. wanted to give you an update. Remember last week I was telling you about the homeless cat that lives in my back garden? Oh, right, yeah. And I had a couple of uh, emails and calls from listeners who were offering a home to this yeah. homeless cat, which is great. You know, thank you very much for caring and, and sharing and being willing to take in a, a cat that is not he's he's yeah, he's he's homeless. However, I just need you to know that if he would be willing to come into a home, I would let him into my home. But he's not. He doesn't want to come in. No, no, he's a feral cat. Like, he's very afraid of people. He will eat, and he snuggles down. And actually, you know what I got from yesterday? A dog bowl that plugs into the wall so it'll keep uh, water um, for him all winter. Because that's a big issue, right? Everything freezes solid. There's nowhere for them to drink. So I got this dog bowl. It's huge. (laughs) It's, like, big enough for the cats to have a bath in, really. (laughs) Which is what my son said. He goes, Mom, what's that for? Are they going to have a bath in that? (laughs) No, dear. That's for them to drink out of. And... Uh, so yeah, he, but he he's not willing to come in. He's and we've been trying to catch him because we would like to get him neutered. He's a, a non-neutered three-year-old cat who. Uh, How do would, you know that? His age or the fact no. that he needs neutering? Yeah. How, Did you yeah. want me to explain that? Oh, to you? oh I better not. No, <laughs> no. Uh, we'll draw the curtain on that one. <laughs> <laughs> He's not neutered, trust me. I just... But, he's, but he keeps his tail down a lot, right? That's all that protective thing. He's yeah. all, low to the ground, tail down, mm-hmm. ears up, always on, on guard. Yeah. And yeah. does not come near people. Well, he's sniffed my fingers. That's the closest he's come. But I don't think he'd come in the house. So anyway, interesting. Very interesting process. Okay. Homeless cat. Another cat story yet again from <laughs> Charlie the gardener. And now, Harry <laughs> from together. Toronto... Welcome to the show, first-time caller. Yes, I am. Thanks. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Hi, Charlie. Um, I'm a little bit out of season here, but a few mm-hmm. months ago, 
uh, you were talking with a caller, and in passing you mentioned to him that impatients were in trouble. Mm-hmm. And, and you didn't elaborate. I'm just wondering, mm-hmm. I, had, I can attest to that mm-hmm. because I had a lot of trouble with impatience this past year. Yeah. What, what is the issue and does, whatever the issue is, does that, that affect the, the, the guinea? Uh, no, it does not. Well? Very good point. No, the, the traditional impatience or impatience balsamina are, or wasariana are the ones that are going to – are susceptible to a mildew called downy mildew. Oh, I see. And when you buy them in the spring, they look fine. When yes. you plant them in your garden, they look fine. Yep. Some of them will actually grow fairly well for a couple of weeks, maybe four to five, even six weeks. Mm-hmm. And then one morning you get up and you see and you look outside and all your impatience have completely collapsed to the yep. ground. Yep. They're, it's like they're water soaked. It's like somehow they've just rotted overnight. Yes. Yep. And that mildew, once, once you've got the mildew, now it, mind you, it was in the plants when you bought them. You just didn't know it because you couldn't see it and neither could the retailer. Mm-hmm. Now that you've planted them in your garden, that soil now has downy mildew in the soil. It's contaminated. Then, That's right. right. Yeah. So you will not be um, – we're recommending that there's a five-year hiatus between planting and losing impatience and replanting impatience again. So five years. In that time frame, the soil should be cleared out of the mildew. By that time, of course, they're frantically um, working on trying to provide some resistance to this disease in with the impatience. Uh, but even if they haven't been able to come up with a resistant variety, the belief is that by providing that, that time frame, we may be able to get back into impatience again. But right. for now, do not purchase any, do not plant any um, anywhere. I think you'll find there'll be virtually none available anyway for the next yeah. five or more years in our local garden centers. Right. But the um, New Guinea or Sunshine impatience are fine. They are not susceptible at all. Oh, great. Okay. Now, yeah. usually we plant our impatience in the shade. Yeah. So most of us are looking for a shade uh, um, substitute. One of my favorites is begonias, okay. either fibrous or tuberous begonias. No right. problem with the, with the mildew. And another great one is coleus. There's so many yeah. great coleus out there. Right. They, many of them will grow very nicely in, in fairly right. shady locations. Okay. All right. You've answered all my questions. No, I, did, I didn't know what you just referred to it in passing, yeah. and I didn't know what the issue was. Yeah, and it's a devastating issue because impatience were the number one bedding plant for the last oh, yeah. oof, 25 years, yeah, yeah. and now gone. So yeah. a lot of people are, are going to be scrambling, looking for, for something different. Well, it's good that the New Guinea ones are at least... Uh... Yeah, now the New Guineas won't grow in the same deep shade that impatience did. New Guineas oh. want at least a half-day sun in order to really thrive and flower. Oh, right. So if you're, if you're dealing with really deep shade, I would recommend you go with things like fuchsia or begonias. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Thanks, Thanks for joining the show, Harry. Yeah, Thank and you. welcome. Bye-bye. Thanks for calling. Okay. Bye-bye. And if we have uh, time for one more call, uh, let's see if we can Elaine do it. Elaine from Uxbridge, and she too a first-time caller. Mm. Hi, Elaine. Hi. Good morning. This is Elaine from Oxbridge. Good yes. morning. Welcome. I'm talking to you about. I'd like. Hello. Yes, we're here. Yeah, I'd like to ask you about a hydrangea. Uh-huh. I have. It, oh, it, for the past three years, I plant the first year the bare flowers, mm-hmm. and I put the acid thing so the flowers are nice and purply. Okay. And after that, it just keep there and growing really tall and have just leaves. Do you have any idea what kind of hydrangea it is? Um, I think it was, it was quite expensive, and it's uh, you, if you name the other two they have, I will know which one. Was it called Endless Summer? Yes. Yeah. Yes. How- that's- 
Okay. That was it. Does that sound right? Yes. And when you bought it, it was blooming, and it was pink probably when you pink, bought it? Pink, yes, pink, and it stayed bloom pink that year. Yeah, and adding the acid was a good idea because that made it purplier. It went purple, and it was really pretty. And then the following year, you've just got green leaves. Leaves and leaves three years after that, and it was really big. The bush is really big, but just leaves. Okay. Bushy. So what you should do next spring... Early in the spring, go out there with sharp pruners, cut it right down so that it's only about an inch tall, cut it down to a bud. You'll see buds on those stems. Give it some fertilizer and a little and or a little bit of compost in the spring, and I think you'll find it will grow back with flowers next year. And unfortunately, we have to go and let you go right now because we have a very important announcement. But thanks so much for your call, Elaine. Let us know how that goes. All right. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size, there's more going on in the garden than we do realize. And should little creatures become a big problem, well, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Charlie, we have just a moment to say thanks and so long until next week. All right, and thank you to all the great callers. We won't see you next week, Franklin. Robbie Lane will be sitting where you are. All righty. Thanks, everybody. See you then. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.